Welcome to our morning service of worship today. We want to begin, please, with hymn number two, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. What a great hymn this is. It's based on Psalm 103, and you will notice the phrases and the themes that come out in this hymn of the Lord's precious word. Let's stand as we worship God today. Let's come to the Lord now, please, in prayer and bow before Him. And as we do come to seek the Lord, I know that as a congregation we have been waiting upon the Lord and praying much for a couple of dear people in our congregation. We've been praying for our sister Serene quite regularly and also for our brother Ron. Well, I want to bring again a special and earnest prayer request for these dear people was speaking with Serene last evening and with Ron earlier on in the week. And both of these folks are in great need of our prayers, our intercession for you and from, from to the Lord. And you know, when we are called in the Scripture to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, this is an opportunity that we have as a congregation of people and of the Lord's people to really take others upon our hearts in prayer. And so as we do that, 
And as we call upon the Lord for them, we can be sure that He will hear and He will answer. And so we want to remember these dear folks today. Let's come to pray. Our loving Father and our gracious God, we come at the very beginning of this service singing of these words from Psalm 103. And we come, Lord, to give praise from our hearts to the God of heaven. For we have been ransomed, healed, restored, and forgiven. And, O God, these words and all that they mean, they are full of wonder, full of majesty, full of grace. And, O Lord, today I pray that we would all who know Christ be able to enter in with joy and thanksgiving and worship as we have come today by Your grace and by the great privilege we have of another Lord's Day. Father, at the beginning of our time, we earnestly need the help of the Spirit of God in our worship, in our praying, in reading of the Scripture, and understanding Thy Word. O God, hear our prayer today. Come very near to our hearts. Dear God, wash us Cleanse us from our minds and hearts. I pray that our will, our motive, and all that we endeavor to do in our life would be filtered through the Word of God, and that our very thinking would be governed by the Scripture, that we would bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And dear Lord, I pray that we would move each day acknowledging and knowing that it is not by our own impetus or power or intelligence or motivation, but Lord, it is by divine grace that we are enabled to do anything. I pray, Lord, today that we would, as Your people, go forward from strength to strength, go forward with the word of truth upon our lips from our heart, that we would share our faith with others, and that we would be able to lead and point men and women to Christ, and that, Father, it would please You to use us as servants of the Most High God. And, Lord, we would be as Daniel it would be evident by our testimony. It would be evident, evident by the excellent Spirit that You have placed within us, that we are the children of God, and that our lives give radiant testimony to that. Lord, we don't want to be a sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. We don't want to be those who are ostentatious in our testimony, and all for what? But Lord, what we want is that the love of Christ will be seen through us. And dear God, I pray there will be no hindrance to that end. Pour out Your Spirit upon our congregation. Bless every member and friend and those who have been with us for many, many years. And, O oh Lord, whether in person or watching online today, may there be a blessing suited to every single heart, every need, and dear God, some are going through very difficult spiritual struggles today. And I pray Your grace 
would be poured into their hearts. Dear God, what about those who have very specific physical needs? We want to bring, Lord, again specifically these two dear people of our congregation. We pray for Serene today that you would touch her body, that you would touch her eyes and help her. Lord, have mercy upon your child today. You know the situation of Ron. You know, Lord, how difficult these last weeks and months have been. And, O Lord, I pray that his spirit would be lifted up. He would know your touch upon his body, and you would pour out your great grace upon him even now. Lord, is this not the need of the hour for every one of us, and most specifically for those who are suffering and struggling to even see the light of a new day, and even to function in the most ordinary manner? Oh, God, come and help them, we pray today. And we know that there are others. We know we have elderly. We know those, there are those who are suffering other situations. Perhaps we don't know the details of Lord, we would pray for the covering of Your blessing upon our people. Help us to be strong in the Lord. And Father, whatever You have given to us in our lives, give us the abundant supply of grace to be able to handle these matters. We cannot do it of ourselves. We are weak, Lord. We are but dust. And as Psalm 103 reminds us, of your great understanding and grace. You know our frame and remember that we are but dust. And so, dear Father, hear our prayers today. Draw near and help us. We pray that the witness of our congregation would be expanded and that our personal outreach would be increasing continually and that the visitors that come into our fellowship would sense the warmth of the Savior here, and that each one would reach out, Lord, and that we would extend our hands of fellowship and of welcome. And dear Lord, we ask that the testimony of all our churches across our nation and in the United States and our missionaries, that, Father, the testimony and the witness would go forward with the power of God and not by the empty and weak arm of the flesh. Lord, hear our prayer and help us. Revive our hearts. Cause there to be a great awakening across our nation. Lord, put your hand upon our governments and keep them from an evil plan. And we ask, O God, that you would overturn the wicked. Lord, we bring again the needs of the unborn in our land, and the great crime, the murderous crime of abortion. Oh God, I pray that you would arrest those who are involved in this act, and that you would help and aid and bless organizations that are trying to divert people from that action. Lord, we pray for the Pregnancy Care Center today, we ask that you would bless all the people who are involved in that ministry and help them. We ask, Father, for other similar organizations that are following the Scripture and staying close to the Word of God. 
that they would know much help and blessing upon them. Dear Lord, hear our prayer today. Draw very near to us now and help us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Number 675, please. Hymn 675. We will stand again as we worship the Lord. Approach my soul, the mercy seat. scriptures this morning from Psalm 34. Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times, His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, 
and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and delivered him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days, that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil, and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Such precious words the Lord has given to us, a prayer of God's servant, and how they have echoed through the ages of church history, and how they have proved themselves to be a solace in time of great difficulty and struggle, a time when the world seems to have fallen apart on us, and yet we come back to the solid foundation of God's truth, and we will find in this word, believer, something for us at every season, at every time. There are words of encouragement. There are things to challenge us. There are words to rebuke us. This is God's holy truth. And I pray you would find great comfort in these very precious words. And we will all be able to say, I will bless the Lord at all times. Yes, when things are good. But can we bless the Lord when things are not so good in our estimation and come to rest on the Lord for He says that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called 
according to his purpose. Glad that you're in the house of the Lord today. Happy that you're here. You're very, very welcome in the Savior's name. And if you are a visitor today in person or online, you're very, very welcome. And we trust the Lord would encourage your heart and bless His Word and our time of worship to your own souls today. Today, I have a thank you note here from our sister Florence regarding the recent passing of her dear mother. And I want to read this note to you just now. To my dear TFPC family, thank you so much for your prayers, support, and flowers. I feel the weight of prayers. The love from our Heavenly Father has upheld me and given me strength and peace throughout this period of time. I have only a few family members and friends, but I have my church family, and I am flooded with your brotherly and sisterly love. I am blessed because of the mercies of the Lord upon me, grace upon grace. In Christ, the sinner saved by grace, Florence. He says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever with my mouth. I will make known thy faithfulness to all generations. May the Lord encourage your heart, Florence, and we pray for you and for all the ones who have also recently lost their loved ones. We had the visit last Wednesday of the Pregnancy Care Center, a representative in our prayer meeting, and uh, we enjoyed that ministry and were very challenged. And I know that many of you were also challenged as you heard the report of what this good ministry is up to and doing. One thing I want us to really be specific in our praying about and to take some action on, the current federal government is presenting legislation now that would remove the charitable status from those organizations that are deemed to be against abortion or pro-life organizations. And we need to be earnest in our praying to the Lord for our governments, as we do regularly, but we also need to pray proactively that our governments will be stopped from doing things that are against the Word of God and against common decency and order for society. And the promotion of the murder of the unborn is a heinous crime against our land. And the blood of the innocent cries to God from the ground as Abel's blood cried unto God in the day he was murdered. And so, my dear brothers and sisters, let us not be slack in this, but let us be earnest to God in prayer. But I would say also we need to put legs to our prayers and contact your federal MP and let them know that you are not in favor of this action to take away the charitable status from these organizations. It's just another step to try to silence the voice that, is, uh, that needs to be heralded across our land, uh, the voice for the innocent. So let's remember that and take action uh, as we can in a very civil and an orderly way. If you're going to write a letter or an email, 
It must always be done with the highest level of respect and dignity, but also to express your serious concerns, and these are important matters in our time. I also want to remind you that if you were not able to submit a donation for the work in Mexico City, we had the recent visit of Reverend Jason Boyle, his wife Danielle, and their two sons, and we also want to continue to hold them up in prayer. But if you did not give an offering and you would like to, you can still mark your envelope, Mexico City, and we'll be sure that those funds are directed uh, through the mission board and they get down to the work in Mexico City. Let me remind you, please, of the announcements for today and our ministry that's going on. This afternoon is our special afternoon of prayer And we have had these over the time. The last time we had one, well, it was back in June where we had three special afternoons of prayer on the Lord's Day in the evenings. We had them Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And we want to continue on in that theme and to remember the needs of our own church, for sure, and also of our nation. And what better thing to focus on than what I've just been presenting to you in this special time of prayer this afternoon. Now, it will be on Zoom only, so please note that it will be from 4.30 to 5.30 this afternoon, and we encourage you to make that effort to be a part of that. You might have to cut your afternoon sleep down by a little bit, but what better way to be, other than sleeping, to be praying, and that is a good thing. So remember that you will have already been sent out in your bulletin notice the Zoom link for the prayer time this afternoon at 4.30. Now, in light of that, we will not be having the immediately pre-service prayer time because it will give you time to come from your home and get to the evening service here at night. So it'll be 4.30 to 5.30 this afternoon on Zoom only, and then there'll be no pre-service prayer time. But our regular evening service will continue at 6.30 tonight. And I trust to continue in our study in the book on the life of Daniel. There will be a young young adult, I was going to say youth adult, a young adult uh, prayer time. No, pardon me, back up a little bit. There will be a young adult choir practice after the evening service tonight. So young people, please take note of that. Then Wednesday night, our prayer meeting and Bible study at 730 and it will be here in person in the church and on Zoom as well. Friday night, the gym fellowship from 6 to 9 will continue. A couple of advanced things I want to share with you, and I already mentioned one before. It has to do with our updating of our address directory for our church. And a notice went out in the bulletin, and you can submit those changes to office at torontofpc.ca but that's on the notice that you'll get on your email. So don't uh, delay on this one. We want, we're moving ahead and getting the things prepar- prepared now for uh, printing, and so we want to make those changes uh, as soon as we can. So please don't forget about that. Now, it's not too early to think about Christmas time and the Christmas card appeal. Uh, when I came out this morning to the church, there were some snowflakes gently falling on the, uh, play, on the uh, church grounds. So 
We want to think about Christmas and our Christmas card appeal this year, giving you an advance notice. It's going to go toward another Mexico work. It will be Reverend Lalo Pena in the city of Cordoba. It's about four hours or so from Mexico City, but uh, he is uh, there's a needy ministry and work going on there, and he has recently made application to have his church come under, uh, be constituted under the care of the denomination, and so that's a very needy work and ministry, and we want to donate our offering this year to that particular work. So we will give you a little updates upon that and let you know a little bit closer to the time as we come into December and how you can make those offerings we're singing again to the Lord's praise today, and it's not in your hymnal. It's a chorus that we have sung many times here in the church and from our Sunday school. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and remain seated while we sing that. The words will be behind you, behind me on the screen. turn with me now in your Bibles to John's Gospel, chapter 17. The Gospel of John, chapter 17. The first five verses. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify Thee, as Thou hast given Him power over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as Thou hast given Him. And this is life eternal, 
that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. I have glorified Thee on the earth. I have finished the work which Thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify Thou me with Thine own self, with the glory which I had with Thee before the world was. This is the longest recorded prayer in the New Testament. And a thorough study of its manner and of the matter of it, it will lead us in our own prayer life. I say today that we are treading on holy ground. As the curtain has been drawn back to record the intercession of the Son of God with His Father in heaven. Volumes of commentaries have been written on this single chapter alone. Reformers, Puritans, men in every stage and age of church history And they have written trying to to plumb the depths of this passionate prayer that we have been given by our Lord. But when approaching such a record, we all have to acknowledge that there are things that are too high for us here. There are things that are too deep for us. And so the human onlooker, For us to be able to fathom the depths, quite frankly, it is impossible this side of eternity. We're dealing here with one member of the Godhead communicating with another member of the Godhead and expressing thoughts and emotions that encompass such profound truth that the angels surely must bow their heads in wonder. How could such words have been spoken? And yet the Holy Spirit has recorded this for our learning. And therefore, as we investigate, we do so humbly and mortally conscious of our need of divine help to reveal its meaning and not only to understand and begin to comprehend it, but then have it applied to our own lives, have it applied to us in our spiritual walk. And so I ask for my own spiritual hearing that it will be keenly tuned to hear what the Holy Spirit would say. And I encourage you, believer, to be in prayer the same way, that we would not miss 
any of the lessons that we are to learn here. And I know we are in a great degree just gleaning from the surface. We are trying to scratch and begin to mine a little bit deeper into the Word. And we will do so by the Lord's help and with His help. And as the Lord's Spirit will speak to us through this prayer, so our hearts will be warmed. Undoubtedly, we will be drawn nearer to our Lord. We cannot have anything else but happen. Unless, of course, your heart is cold. Unless, of course, today you find yourself distant from the Lord and these things are just like rebouncing off. They're reverberating. They mean nothing to you. Oh, believer, I say to you today, that your heart would be warmed by the Spirit and that we would all be drawn very close to our God today. It is called the high priestly prayer of our Lord because He is anticipating the cross just hours away where He would die in the office of our great high priest. And he would do so to make atonement for our sins and to open up wide the way into heaven for us. And he also prays for his people throughout the course of this intercession. He prays for his people because he says, we have been given the word of the Father in In truth, the Lord Jesus gave us the word of the Father. And so the Lord Jesus goes on to pray that we will be kept from the world and from satanic influence and power. He has us on His mind. He has you, believer, today on His heart. We are the very substance and subject of our Lord's prayer and His praying. I want us today as we look into this wonderful portion of the Scriptures that the warmth and light of the Holy Spirit would be upon us. And that not only is we are told we are to walk as Christ walked, but that we will pray directed by the Spirit through the example and witness of this prayer. And that we would seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things would be added unto us. I draw your attention to the opening verse. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. I give to you in the first place today the manner of our Lord's prayer, the manner of his prayer. The Savior spoke these words in prayer 
for our learning. These words spake Jesus, and we ask ourselves a couple of questions which will direct us in the understanding of the manner of the Lord's Prayer here by asking, when was this prayer offered? And we have known in our study so far that this prayer was offered after the sacred teaching that we have been studying from John 13 right down now to the end of chapter 16, these words that are not recorded in any other of the Gospels. And so, in the final hours of the upper room, as the Savior unfolded this teaching to His disciples, this was a very solemn message and sermon that He was bringing to them. And so the timing of this high priestly prayer is important for us not to forget. It's always good to see the context of what's going on in the Bible because we will gather all of the fragments of our understanding together when we know the context of the, the Word. But you will also know that in that upper room, when Judas had gone from them, and now we have the eleven with the Lord, and He gives to them the breaking of the bread, and He gives to them the wine, representing both His body and His blood. And those final words, that final last supper that He had with His disciples, such a sacred time as it was looking forward to the great work that our Lord had come to do. And so there had been, in the context of this, the table of remembrance, the sacred teaching of this sermon. And now it's followed by the most solemn prayer that is recorded in all of the Bible. Oh, my friends, as we read over the Scriptures, is it not important for us to read the Lord's Word carefully? to read it with a desire to understand its meaning and to pray that the Holy Spirit would write this truth upon our hearts. It's not enough for us to be just coming to the Lord's house and then leaving the Bible alone from Monday to Saturday and hope that we will just come back and get a little charge again on the Lord's Day. No, that's not the mind and will of God for our lives. If we're going to draw from the Scriptures and draw from the examples of the prayer and most certainly our Lord's prayer here, then we need to be very attentive in our spirits to Him and attentive to His Word and looking at these different time periods in our study because it will help us to get a full grasp and a full understanding of the weight of what our Lord has shown to us and what the Holy Spirit has given to us here. So how did the Lord, His prayer, pray at this time? Well, 
when he says these words, spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven, we could conclude that the word here spoken was an audible prayer. Undoubtedly, there were times when our Lord continued in his prayer, always with his Father, silently in his heart, as you and I will pray silently in our hearts. But here was a prayer, by all indication, it was the Lord speaking out his prayer. Now we know that there are times for audible praying, and as we gather in our weekly prayer meetings, as we come to have a, a Lord's Day service, and prayers are offered from the pulpit, they are so that you can both hear and enter into the spirit and heart and substance of prayer, and that you will also be reverberating, echoing those prayers unto God as well. Don't ever allow uh, the time of prayer to be a distracting time where you're doing something else while prayers are being offered. Because we in corporate prayer, as audible prayers are given, it's for the intention of joining in unity, offering unto God that very intercession that one may be praying openly, but everyone else may be joining in. And I would suggest to you that our Lord was not privately praying here, but He was praying with His disciples. He was praying in their hearing. The whole sermon, all the context of this time period, they were joined. This is not the prayer of Gethsemane. That's a different time, yet going to happen not far away from this intercession. But the high priestly prayer of the Lord as He has spoken it now, and in the context that we have from the other Gospels, He is in the presence of His disciples. And so they are hearing this prayer. And what direction did our Lord pray in? Well, we are clearly told that He lifted up His eyes to heaven Why are we told He lifted up His eyes to heaven? Does that mean that every time we are praying, we must lift up our eyes to heaven, whether they are open or closed? No, we know that there are many occasions in the Scripture when people bowed their heads in prayer, when they fell on their faces prostrate in prayer. But here our Lord Jesus, He lifted up His eyes to heaven and the direction of His prayer was toward glory, toward where His heavenly Father. And that's difficult for us sometimes because we wonder on earth in different localities, when you lift up your eyes, what does that really mean? Well, we won't get tied up in too much of a knot about that, but the fact of the matter is that up into the universe, up into the skies, that is declared in the Scripture to be the abode of our Heavenly Father. And here our Lord Jesus directed His prayer heavenward to His Father. It is so important for us to keep this example that in our praying, we direct our praying to our Heavenly Father. But there's another thing we can learn there 
is that when our Lord lifted up His eyes to heaven, He was turning away from the world. He was turning away from all that He had experienced in this world. And could we say all of the rejection, all of the scorning and scoffing, all of those who were distracted, all of those who cared for everything else except God and except the honor of His Father. And so our Savior lifted up His eyes toward heaven. And ah, dear friends, whether in a physical sense we do that, or whether our faces are are buried in our hands, let our spirits always be lifting our hearts toward glory. We have nothing to be ashamed of. And I say that respectfully because as we are redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, we are both invited and welcome to come into our Lord's presence. And the devil would accuse us of being not worthy. And in one sense we know the reality of that, but we have been redeemed. We are clothed with the righteousness of our Lord Jesus. And because we have on His everlasting righteousness, we have every warrant to come boldly unto the throne of grace. And in so, we lift up our eyes toward heaven and we will turn away from the world and we will consciously turn away from the distractions of this world And we will turn away from the plagues and the accusers and all of those matters that would keep us from enjoying the fellowship and communion of our God. The Savior was instantly and immediately in the presence of His Father Indeed, we could say that in every step that He took upon earth, He was in continual communion with His Father. There was no breaking of that communion. Ah, that is, not, is that not the thing that we should aspire to? Is that not the thing we should desire to when Jesus said, men not always to pray and not to faint? Is that not what He was speaking of? But you will also notice that our Lord prayed with his eyes open. And that's an unusual thing for us. We don't do that generally. Oh, I know that it may well be if you're driving in your car, it's probably not a wise thing to close your eyes when you're praying, but you can pray with your eyes open then. When you're walking outside, you're enjoying the beauty of nature. Of course, you're praying as you're walking and you're communicating with God, but Why is it that we close our eyes when we pray? Why is it we teach young people to close their eyes, children from their youngest age? It's simply because, friends, we are so prone to distractions. We are so unable to keep focus in our minds. And so it is a help for us to bow our heads, to close our eyes, and just shut away images and flashes and lights and things that would take us away more easily from the very important matter that is at hand, and that's communicating with our Lord. Ah, but our Savior, our Savior was not 
and did not have to wrestle with those types of distractions or things that would so take his mind away. No, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he looked into the face of his heavenly Father and he prayed. The manner of our Lord's Prayer, there are some helpful, necessary hints for us and instruction along the way. But please notice the second thought today. His praying in the will of His Father. Praying in the will of His Father. It says these words, spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. The hour is come. Here he is praying in the will of his heavenly Father. Now when the Lord Jesus said the hour is come, he is not speaking of 60 minutes, but of the arrival of events planned from before the foundation of the world. And what we have here in that phrase, friends, understand this, we have eternity converging with time. The plan of God for His eternal purpose to redeem fallen and sinful man, that time, those events had now come to pass. Oh yes, time was marked on an eternal clock. And the watchmaker was the timekeeper. And not only was this event such that would change the course of man forever, it was going to be on time. And there was nothing and there was no one that could delay or advance what God, the God of heaven, had planned. The hour had come. Paul tells us in Galatians 4 that in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And that verse is speaking about the incarnation of our Lord in the fullness of time. And now the Son of God, the One who summoned the world into existence out of nothing, His creative Word and power. He is now condescended to submit Himself to time. Can you understand that? I cannot. We cannot grasp what that means. The God of eternity subjected Himself to a period of time. And when He said, the hour has come, It was the arrival of something so monumental, so beyond human description,
for who is able to define the mission of the cross of Christ and all that was required to fulfill that cause. Yes, the hour had come for what seemed to be the victory of Satan. Is that not what the cross was? Surely the devil had been trying to take the life of Christ many times throughout the course of his human journey. And now it comes to this pinnacle, this epoch, the time when the cross would be in the ground and the Son of God would be nailed to it. And this, for all outward appearance, seemed to be the victory that Satan was looking for. This would be the end. And this prophecy of the bruising of the heel of Christ, spoken of all the way back in the book of Genesis, that the seed of the woman would have his heel bruised. And that bruising of the heel was now the day of victory for the evil one. And it was not far away. But by far the greater message of the cross, my dear friends, was not the wounding of the heel of Christ, but it was the bruising and wounding of the head of the serpent from which he would never, ever recover. Yes, the hour, the hour had come. The hour for the suffering for the public humiliation of the Messiah, the time when He would suffer the just one for the unjust, that He could bring us to God without sin and corruption. Yes, that was His purpose. That was the fulfillment of the hour that had now come, that we would be freed from our corruption, that we would be cleansed from all our iniquity, and we would be made pure as Christ Himself is pure. And so, we would be seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This was the will of the Father. And the cross and all that it stood for and all it was slated to accomplish, it was in the foreordained counsel of a sovereign God. The cross was the will of God from eternity. It was not something that was an afterthought or something that God decided on to fix the problem that had happened in the Garden of Eden. No, the cross was in the mind and heart of our Heavenly Father from all eternity. And we cannot comprehend fully the implications of that, but that is the reality. And here, the prayer of our Lord Jesus when He said, the hour is come. He is bringing Himself into perfect compliance with God's holy will, the will of His Father. And I say, friends, is this not the 
desire, the chief desire that we are to have to do the will of our Father? Are we not to submit ourselves to the will of God in our praying and in our lives? Too often we get tied up in knots, knots of frustration, knots of anguish. When our hour has come, but we turn from it, and we would maybe try to arrange ourselves out of such a problem or around it. Oh, that we will be brought to pray, Lord, not my will, but Thy will be done. Mr. Spurgeon wrote, The best preparation for the worst hour is prayer. The best remedy for a depressed spirit is nearness to God. In this, then, let us follow our Master, and may the Holy Spirit help us to do so. The manner of our Lord's prayer and His praying was in the will of His Father. A third thing for us this morning is the underlying theme of His praying. The underlying theme of His praying. And it was for the glory of His Father. The glory of the Godhead. The word glory, it simply means to honor, to magnify, to make glorious. It's the New Testament word doxa. And we think about singing the doxology. We are singing to the glory of God. We are singing glorious words to honor Him and to magnify His name. It is at the start of His prayer because it is the foundation upon which all praying is to be based. When we think about the chief end of man to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever, well, does that not summarize the purpose and the tack and the ministry that we are upon as God's people in this life? Our life is to redound to the glory of our Father, to our Savior. And the underlying theme of the prayer that Jesus is offering here in His high priestly intercession, it is for the glory of God Himself. You'll notice that it is the Father's heart to glorify the Son. Jesus prayed, The hour is come Glorify Thy Son, that Thy Son may glorify Thee, the Father. In other words, one aspect of glory would be the hinge point to be the glory of God the Father as well. And so the whole operation that Christ was involved in and the manner whereby He would be glorified was all because ultimately glory was to be to the Father. And that was in the heart of the Son. It was in the heart of Him from the very first entrance upon 
this world. Oh, but it went much beyond before that. In the eternal counsels of the Trinity, the Son always desired and aimed and purposed to glorify His Father. And so the Father, the Son. It was in the heart of the Father to glorify the Son. And this occurred in a real way for us to see when He was brought into the world at the Incarnation. For what happened? What did God do? He sent the angels of heaven to sing the praises, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Yes, the entrance of the Son of God into this world was accompanied by the angels of heaven, the choir of heaven, singing to the praise and the glory of our Lord Jesus. But also you will remember at the baptism of Jesus and the commencement of His earthly ministry, the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily form in the shape of a dove upon Jesus Christ, and the voice of God rang out and broke through the clouds. And what was that voice? This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And so the Father was pouring out His praise to His only begotten Son, and letting all the world certainly those who are listening at that time and reverberating down to everyone who will read the Bible from that time to now, the glory and the honor that the Father gives to His only begotten Son. And was it not seen at the transfiguration of our Lord Jesus? For the Father interrupted the rather rash words of Peter by saying this, is my beloved Son, hear Him. It has been in the heart of the Father from eternity to glorify His only begotten Son, and in every stage of our Lord Jesus' earthly walk, this was done. Ah, oh, but friends, it is in the heart of the Son to glorify the Father it may be difficult to see how the Lord Jesus would be glorified in the cross, but that's exactly what He's praying. He is praying that glory would be given to Him, that He would be magnified through the work and operation and purpose whereby He had come in order that the Father would be glorified through that work. And so you say, well, how was Jesus glorified in the cross? It seemed so much the opposite to that. <clears throat> it seemed the opposite of glory. It was the full expression of shame as it spoke of sin and suffering and death. Where is the glory in all of that? But this, my dear friends, is the very point the suffering of the cross and the humiliation that was laid upon Christ became for Him the very highest honor as it obtained eternal redemption. 
and in the very obtaining of eternal redemption for His people, that put all glory and honor upon the Father who has chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world. And of course, the work of redemption we know is not just the cross, but it included the whole work from beginning to end. It included the death of our Lord, the suffering, the anguish, His passion. It included His burial in the grave for three days and three nights. It included His resurrection from the dead. It included His ascension to the right hand and His present intercession at the right hand of His Father in heaven. And oh, yes, friends, let us not miss this account in these opening words of the prayer of our Lord Jesus. But I say to us all, it is to be in our hearts to glorify God in the Trinity of His persons. That is why we have been saved. That is why we have been redeemed. We are not redeemed just to get a free ticket to heaven. We are redeemed so that all of our being, everything about us, will be to magnify, to glorify God in the Trinity of His persons as Father and Son and Spirit. And so we ask ourselves today, individually, we examine our hearts this morning, and we will say, Lord, is that what my life is? Am I glorifying the God of heaven? Am I glorifying the Son of God in what I am doing, in where I am going, in what I am watching, in what I am reading? Am I glorifying God? Or, or is my Christian life a life of compromise? It is, a, is it a life of hypocrisy? Is it a life of double standard? Oh, dear friends, let us come to the Lord today and humbly bring ourselves before our God. If we expect the blessing of the Lord upon our lives, if we want God to honor His name and bless this congregation, and indeed the ministry that we're engaged in, then it, it's an incumbent upon us. We must be men and women of God. We must be holy. Because if not, then we are but impostors. We speak with a double tongue. We say one thing, and yet we live out another way. Oh, I pray today that God's Spirit will penetrate all of our hearts and bring us to a point in our own experience that we will say, yes, Lord, I want my life singly, completely, totally to be only and always for the honor of your name. And that is a prayer that we can pray. And I will tell you something, that prayer is in the will of God. And when we pray that prayer, you watch, you see how God will answer it. Are we prepared to lay that on the altar? and to bring 
that matter to the Lord today. I pray that the Lord will undertake for us and help us, and these precious words of our Lord Jesus would be written on our hearts. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. We'll bow, please, in prayer. Father, today we have been treading on ground that is very difficult for us to comprehend and to be able to apply, and therefore we need help, Lord. <clears throat> so come near and speak to every one of your children every heart here. Speak to us, Lord, so that our lives may be very clear reflections of Your holiness and Your beauty and majesty, and that our Lord Jesus will be seen through us. So hear our prayers today. Keep us in the Spirit, we pray, on this day, and bless us this afternoon as we come to our time of prayer, and then for the evening service, may everything be to the honor and praise of Thy name, for we ask in Jesus' name, Amen.